DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Let's talk NFL. Let's talk quarterbacks. With the commissioner coming out on Friday and saying the NFL got it wrong a few years ago, I think the question now is, is Colin Kaepernick coming back at the age of 32? Has the moment passed and he's not interested? Or he is interested in the right situation, but what would the right situation be? Or he's interested no matter what. Anybody, anytime, anywhere. Call him. There are lots of people with lots of opinions on how this ought to play out, and there's several different ways it could play out going forward. Al Sharpton's one of them. Listen to what he had to say right here. Some people changed their mind. The head of the NFL said, yeah, maybe we was wrong. Football players, maybe they did have the right to peacefully protest. Well, don't apologize. Give Colin Kaepernick a job back. Don't come with some empty apology. Take a man's livelihood, strip a man down of his talents, and four years later when the whole world is marching, all of a sudden you go and do a FaceTime talking about you sorry, minimizing the value of our lives. You sorry, then repay the damage you did to the career. You stood down, because when Colin took a knee, he took it for the families in this building. And we don't want an apology. We want him repaired. Al Sharpton. (laughs) Amen. That would, Al Sharpton, yeah. That's where the phrase preaching to the choir comes from. Yeah. He had an audience he knew wanted to hear that. NFL owners, NFL GMs, NFL coaches, are they interested? Are they going to go after Kaepernick? Or, you know, behind the scenes, I guess you've got to start with the owners. Uh, I think it's pretty much consensus. He was blackballed. So the owners have got to sign on first. They're writing the checks. And even if they don't say, hey, we ought to get him back, are they at least not going to get in the way if there are a couple teams who think, at 32, this guy can help us? Now, the owners aren't coming out and saying anything. Goodell went out and was the public face of it. There's no way he did that without talking to other owners. i got to believe at least a handful of them. I don't know if they had a league meeting over it, but at least a handful of key owners knew that was coming. He didn't just, you know, surprise you know, the Patriots and Cowboys owners. (laughs) He just, the Giants owners, some of the owners, the Steelers owners, some of the owners who've been around a while and, uh, you know, have been recognized as leaders in the league. He had to have some of them up to speed. And they had to have thought this through and thought, well, this is going to be the next next question. Okay. Uh, One of the things I wanted to hit before that is Al Sharpton said, uh, they were not, the NFL was wrong for not recognizing that the NFL players had a right to peacefully protest. Did they have a right to peacefully protest? Uh, yeah, they have the right, and then the NFL owners have to decide if it's good or bad for business, if it's good or bad in the short run or the long run. They decided it was bad for business, and they came down on him hard. I mean, I think if they thought it was good for business, they wouldn't have. But they came down on him hard and blackballed him from the league. So So according to Al Sharpton, they had the right to peacefully protest. So, okay, fine. Let's say that. Well, 
for argument's sake, next season, I'm an NFL player, and I really, really think abortion is murder. Now, do I have a right to peacefully protest? Because if they have a right to peacefully protest... Then you do. According to Al Sharpton. Then you then do. I do. Yeah. Right. Suppose I'm against open borders. Whatever it is. I mean, I'm just picking conservative causes here. Yeah. So then you got these guys over here protesting. Well, I, I should be able to whatever floats my boat for protest. Yep. Shouldn't I be able to, you know, yeah. and, and, and Adrian Peterson says he's going to kneel and these players are going, fine, kneel away. But where does it stop? I happen to think just for argument's sake, nobody cares my political <laughs> opinions. Uh, you know, police brutality is awful. There's a very small number of folks who have actually unarmed that have been killed. Whereas I can argue any clinic, if I believe this, they're they're slaughtering babies left and right. There is somebody out there who would argue that, absolutely. Somebody would argue that. Yeah, that, that's so, my point. I'm, right. I'm not particularly arguing it, but that's the point. No, I, I get your point. I think that on any of these mm-hmm. issues, um, you know, and you could pick a bunch of liberal causes if people want to go out and make a big deal of, course, of those. Of course. I think that yeah. the um, you've got the right to do it, and, and you can do it. But, you know, there's always going to end up being consequences. And the owners, it would be the rare owner who didn't. The vast majority of owners would look and say, is this good or bad for business? And if you take an issue that's going to be controversial, that's going to be, if not 50-50, that's going to be 60-40. I mean, we're, we're, back to, uh, we're back to the Jordan documentary and the whole bit about, you know, Republicans wear Nikes too. You know, it doesn't matter conservative, liberal, 35, 40, 45%. It was what you were talking about earlier in the show. Are they going to lose money? No. But they want to make as much money as possible. And if you're going to alienate 20, 30, 40% of the fan base, the owners aren't just going to stand there with their hands in their pockets and watch that. I mean, they're not. They're, They're billionaires. They got there by making decisive decisions. They made big calls along the way. And at some point, they crushed people. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't be a multi-billionaire and own an NFL team. Or, you know, this could happen in in Major League Baseball or the NBA, but it's happened in the NFL. You know, you just don't get to that point by accident. So you got to know if you take any one of those stands, conservative or liberal, and you alienate 20, 30, 40 percent of the fan base, what are the odds are going to be blowback? I would think it's going to be really high. And maybe not. There could be some exceptions. And maybe some of you can and dig them up right now. And there may be some one-offs about why it played the way. Maybe you tap into something that your particular owner really believes. Maybe. you know. But most of the time, there's going to be blowback. So he's got the right to do it. But you've got to know whether there's a little or a lot. There's, there's, there's probably some blowback coming. And argue that there isn't going to be just flies in the face of how people run businesses and get to be billionaires to this point. And I think if you did the same thing on a lower level and you were working at a, uh, any retail store, grocery store, clothing store, whatever, and you did something and you got the place picketed, well, there'd probably be blowback there, too. Uh, yeah, that's why I say... They have the right, but I don't know that they have the right on the job in uniform. So 
go ahead and do it if you walk into that building and you're on the clock, so to speak. You, know, you got to adhere to whatever those business practices are. But if you're outside and you're on public land or whatever it might be, by all means, man, lay down if you want. Whatever you think is appropriate, and I'll support your right to it. I just don't know that it's the right thing on the job. I mean, you want to defund the police? I want to defund Planned Parenthood, whatever it might be. And so once you open that door, that door's wide open. You can't pick and choose what First Amendment stuff you want to allow just because it's based on your particular political belief. And I think that's where we have the problem. Now, as far as, far as him playing, that's an interesting question, man. I wish he would get on a roster, honestly. And then, for no other reason, then we wouldn't have to hear about it. Uh, and I don't know, though, man. After not playing for four years, that's got to be tough. I mean, we see these missionaries, you know, how they have to deal with it. And then have a player who is not playing from 28 to 32 and come back. That seems rough. But if his skill set indicates that he's good enough to be on a 53-man roster, then I would like to see him be on a 53-man roster. I don't know that that's what he wants, but if he does want it, I don't think this other thing here should get in the way. I would like to think if I'm a fan of – now, I'm not a fan of any NFL team per se in terms of rooting for them, uh, diehard. I'm just a fan of the game. But if I was a fan of Pittsburgh, Seattle, uh, Carolina, whatever it might be, pick a team, I would like to think my ownership is doing everything possible that they can to field the most competitive team. And it's not like Kaepernick broke laws, none that I'm aware of. Maybe he did, but I don't know of any. I mean, they, you don't, I'm not saying you just win at all costs and somebody who's been slapped with domestic abuse five times, what have you. You know, there's, there are some standards you have to adhere to for sure. But I don't think Ka- Kaepernick has crossed any of those that I'm aware of. So if he's good enough, I would like to see him be on an NFL roster. Because I also think, too, you know, there'll be a lot of hubbub when he's first signed. But that'll die down after a while, right? Because especially when the games start, yes, it's about playing football. And it's about winning games, right? So you're not going to beat that drum for six weeks. It'll be a story at the start. But you can get over that and get past it, I would think. I'd, and, and then if he wants to do it, and now his, I think you have to agree, Maybe you don't, but I would agree that his protests have never seemed more legitimate than right now. And I think that's why Goodell was sending that message out on Friday. And I think that's why a handful of powerful owners had to be consulted slash aware of what was going on. And because of exactly what you said, they signed off on it. I mean, I just don't think the way... You, you know, back to my point about owners and all that, you know, like Jerry Jones just wasn't dictated to. He didn't get where he was by being dictated to. I mean, it's, there's no way Goodell freelanced that. You know, there had to have been, if, if maybe, the, maybe the whole league, all the owners weren't up to speed on it, but a lot of key ones had to be. He didn't just go do that. You know, but it's, uh, you know, Cam Newton doesn't have a job either. You know, uh, there you got three quarterbacks. You have them for a reason. They got to fit in a pay scale. There's got to be some relationship with the coaches and with other key players on the team. You know, and and stuff happens for a reason. And and there's a pecking order. And the NFL, man, boy, copycat leagues and that cliche and all that. And so, if you don't fit into the niche, who takes a chance and goes? 
way outside and makes a move. Getting getting a guy who hasn't been in the league four years, I mean that who does that? You know? That was why the Kurt Warner story was so crazy, right? Because it didn't fit the traditional line of how NFL quarterbacks get where they get. Arena football. I mean, that was way outside the lines, especially for the level he got to. Yeah, if you look at it like that, that's why I wouldn't rule it out. I think it has to be the right situation. You know, it has to be where there's an established starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then and, your, and no your guys have to be okay with it. Yeah, like maybe Seattle. You know, obviously Russell Wilson. I, yeah. I, I've always believed that Russell Wilson is one of the more underrated quarterbacks. I, I would love to have Russell Wilson on my team. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily take him ahead of Mahomes, but I'm not sure there's anybody else out there that I would say absolutely I would take this quarterback ahead of Russell Wilson, unless I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head. Well, a lot of the guys I, that I, people I, are I, shouting out at the radio right now, you wouldn't take because uh, even if the resumes are kind of similar, they're older guys. Right. I think he's a heck of a player. I mean, he's exciting as all get out. Love watching him play. Yeah, and, you know, you can say Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Roethlisberger, but those guys are, in some cases, well, in one case, it's over 40, and the others are up in their 30s, and Roethlisberger's had an injury history. But Russell Wilson's a little younger than that, and it seems to me he still has at least two, three seasons of prime left to go. So, you know, somebody like that where he can come in and work for the backup. I don't know that that's what he wants to do now. He'd probably maybe have to take a pay cut. I'm not sure because I don't know what you know what they would slot him in. We saw that Jameis Winston, what he was slotted in at one million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, roughly, I think. So would Kaepernick want to do that? It seemed you know you wouldn't do it with the Saints because they've got their it seemed like they're their ducks in order as far as their quarterbacks. But some other spot, eh, I, I would I would like to see it. I would like to see it him get an opportunity in the right situation. It obviously has to be the right situation. At this point, most of the teams made their moves. The carousel's kind of settled down. Cam Newton's obviously the big name out there. You know, there's the whole thing. He sees himself as a starter, at least high-end backup, and you know, no, no other team has seen that yet. Uh, I assume he's still going to land, and you know, someone's bound to have injuries, so it's not done. It's kind of paused more than it's done. And I still think he's. I don't think he's going to spend a year out of the league. Uh, I guess it's in play, but that that still seems way out there to me. Yeah, I think Cam Newton. I don't know this. I'm not close to the situation whatsoever. But I think that he can pick and choose a little bit more. And you never really know in quarterbacks. You brought up Kurt Warner might be the all time example, but more recently, right now, is Tannehill. I mean, yeah, he was basically left for one. dead. I know. And. And then in the Mariota was just, you know, Mariota had as fine a college career as anybody I've ever seen. But it wasn't and working. And to that level hasn't translated. And now who signed him? Some, is he San Francisco? Who signed uh, Mariota? Uh, he's Las a backup Vegas somewhere, Raiders. right? Oh, Vegas, Vegas. That's it, Vegas, Vegas. I knew it was the Bay Area. Just call them the Raiders. No I'm, not gonna, Area. I'm, I'm not going to be able to get <laughs> the Raiders. I can't get the Vegas thing. They need to drop you it. You actually have a really good point they on this. They just need to be the Raiders. It's such a strong brand anyway. It is, yeah. It, it be stands the Raiders. Oh, that's, that's your bias, though. If you lived in the Northeast, you wouldn't have any problem with that. Oakland, L.A., Oakland, just, Las Vegas. I can't keep up. That's not what Vegas okay, is paying okay. for. They want their name in it. It's a marketing thing. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm up in the night. Yeah, I mean, just, I, I still call them the Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> you do not. 
<laughs> not that old. How old would you have to be to be hooked on this? If you were 15 when they moved, what, you'd be like 80 now. Yeah, I just have a personal interest since my father grew up a hardcore Brooklyn Dodger fan. Now, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't. They were. They moved before I was alive. But nevertheless, he was a hardcore Brooklyn fan, and he talked to me about it and how difficult it was to see that team and not just not just move two hours. And I get it, it was difficult for you with the Charger ding. I understand that, but it is just a two-hour move. It's not cross-country. This was all the way. Yeah, I mean, this is man, the time difference is just dramatic, and games weren't on television and. If you really wanted, you work almost every Sunday, but if you really wanted, obviously you can watch every single Charger game that you possibly could handle. And maybe you will with Justin Herbert if he lights it up. Um, It'd be great to see what uh, – that's that's what I say. Is that I've always said that sports keeps reinventing themselves itself, you know. What's it going to be? There's so many storylines going in the NFL. That's why I would hate to see this protest thing take over because there's just always so many great storylines every time we enter a season of whatever sport, whether it's college, whether it's pro. It's like I always get excited because there's storylines that we get to follow. And the Chargers, Justin Herbert, you know, how good is he going to be? Looks like it's a good situation for him to really take over. But we just talked about Mariota, and he never really took over the way they thought he was going to. Now, that's the same program, right? Both of them were ducks. How's that going to be? It's not a major storyline right now, although if he blows up, it could be a major storyline in time, and that'll be fun to watch. So I hate to see this other stuff detract. These players want to protest police brutality? Go ahead. I, I just wouldn't do it on the sideline of a game because once you do that, well, then, you know, who wants to protest what? And then I got everybody protesting, and then all the protesting all runs together, and I'm not sure who's protesting what. So it kind of takes away from your message as far as that goes. But on your own time, you want to do it? Hey, that's part of what this country's about, and that's just awesome. And I just want to see once we get in the stadiums that it's about the game. And maybe I'm nuts and just so naive and that's not the way we are. But that's my opinion of it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80. The Zone coming up. The PGA Tour returns tomorrow. They're back. Colonial. We're talking golf with Brian Taylor. Real Golf Radio next. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. After 10 years, former USC star Reggie Bush, his disassociation with the university expected to come to an end, according to multiple reports. NCAA has a rule that the maximum disassociation time is 10 years, and Bush disassociated from USC on June 10th, 2010. New Orleans Saints safety Malcolm Jenkins says the efforts by Commissioner Roger Goodell and the NFL to support players fighting for social justice have fallen short because they've yet to properly address their handling of Colin Kaepernick. Atlanta Hawks GM Travis Schlenk said yesterday the NBA's Total League GMs, the 2021 schedule could be condensed, more back-to-backs, possibly four games and five nights as well, to try to finish up the season and time to get the players to the Olympics in Japan in July. Top of the Wire brought to you by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke, do you think that there's going to be an asterisk or an emphasis placed on this championship? You know, if the Lakers win and you hate the Lakers, you'll put an asterisk next to it, right? Like, the world changed. It's a different model. It's going to be a different structure. The best way to define it is you will be the champion of the 2019-2020 season. Like, this is what the 2019-2020 season is, and this is who the champion is. And that's the same way, like, I think the Spurs asterisk is stupid. It was a 66-game schedule. That's what the season was. They were the champion. There's no other way to find a champion. I mean, it'll be a really strange moment to win a title in front of nobody. And in some ways, you know, maybe this is harder. Like, you've got to live without your family. You've got to build a new routine. You've got to motivate yourself without crowds. Like, maybe this is going to be much more difficult. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time to talk a little golf with Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? It's so good to be on with talking some golf. I know. You ready for a, a weekend full of golf? You ready to sit down and watch 72 holes play out at the Colonial? I mean, it'll be a little Heck odd. No. There will be no roar of there will be no roar of the crowd. It'll be more like watching a college tournament, or or maybe some of the some of the tournaments on the European tour. It doesn't look like there are many people out there. Um, well, you, you know, or maybe the Web.com, you know, which is now the Corn Ferry Tour. It's going to be a little quiet out there. But you know, I mean, honestly, do you, does anyone really sit down and watch seventy-two holes of golf? You I mean, maybe. I'll just. You, you know, I mean, it's. I'd rather go out and play 36 holes of golf and then watch 36 holes of golf. That, to me, that's like the perfect combination, just just for the record. Yeah, I can understand that. But uh, you think anybody's going to have an advantage over one versus the other with this situation of not having it for several weeks now? Well, I, I don't know. I think there'll probably be some that, you know, Troy Merritt's a good friend of mine. He uh, lives in Boise and we visited him with him on the show last week and, and he just kind of, you know, used self-deprecation and, and said, look, it's, this is going to be pretty much, you know, everyone's going to experience what I experienced on a weekly basis on the PGA tour. And that is nobody's around watching, nobody's cheering. No, you know, and he, he just kind of, kind of used that little angle as, you know, I'm not one of the big name guys, so I don't typically have a lot of people cheering anyway. So it's going to be pretty normal. You know, Ryan, Ryan Palmer is an interesting one. Ryan Palmer lives there. He's a member of colonial. He's hitting the first tee shot in the return. And, you know, I mean, there's a guy that's used to playing, you know, without fans on that golf course on a regular basis. So I suppose if you think about somebody um, who is might have an advantage at least this week, you could probably look towards a guy like Ryan Palmer who's going to be a member playing what would feel like somewhat of a normal round with other really good players. Do you think that this will truly feel like a intense PGA Tour with the usually we're tracking you know uh, the the points you need to get on a Ryder Cup team or uh, somebody getting exemptions or somebody kind of getting kind of rounding in a form getting their game ready for the next major and and so we usually have all these storylines and guys ups and downs but because everything has stopped for what like three months now. Is it just going to be everybody's happy to be out there and none of those normal storylines we to chase are going to mean anything or are they going to be much discussed in this first week back? Yeah, I think people are going to try to manufacture that. That's a great point, DJ, because uh, listening to some of the press conferences from the week, it, there isn't a lot, right? It's not like, well, 
you know, how, how are you, you know, what did you do after you came so close last week to, you know, after you, after you three putted to lose the tournament, you know, what did you do to get better this? I mean, there's none of that, right? Or, Hey, you're like you said, you're, you're this far down in the points, point standings. And by the way, the, the PGA of America announcing that captain Steve Stricker, if the Ryder cup is played, uh, we'll get six captain's picks. So half the team will be captain's picks, which is interesting. Tony Fino currently at nine on that list. But yeah, so there, there really aren't those storylines coming in right now because it's, it's literally like, well, let's just, you know, like, what did you do over the last three months? How did you keep your game sharp and your mind sharp? And, you know, I was listening to DJ this morning. He's like, I went fishing, you know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, there's not a lot there. It's, there's nothing to pick up on. There's no momentum, as you said. So it really is going to be what happens in these first couple of rounds to give us something to really build on for the weekend. And then what happens over the weekend that we can build on going into next week. And the hope is, is that it, the storylines that end up developing out of these four days of golf are actually golf and not – uh, some sort of breach of safety protocol or, you know, and, and uh, heaven forbid an outbreak, you know, of, uh, of COVID or anything. So yeah, here, here's hoping that we can actually have some sports, talk about some sports, watch some sports and sort of just have that be our, our, what we enjoy seeing and talking about. You talk about building off of it. If this thing goes well, what do you think about fans down the line and when that'll happen? So Ohio announced that uh, I think we're four weeks from Ohio. They're going to do back-to-back there at Jack's Place there um, at Muirfield Village, uh, back-to-back events. And uh, there's the governor of Ohio saying, bring on the fans. So we'll see them then. Uh, and hopefully that goes well unless something changes between now and then. But uh, I, th- is it, I think it's going to eventually um, look how we remember it looking. Um, you know, maybe with concessions and other things, or there'll be some – precautions taken i would suspect but and that's okay there, there's there can be some healthy um corrections out of you know some of the hygiene stuff but yeah, otherwise i think you're going to start seeing some fans get back out there golf is you know golf's in a perfect position to welcome that right obviously you have crowds um if tigers playing people are six eight deep and slamming in there and craning their necks and you know inches away from each other's faces trying to watch a guy hit a golf ball but um, outside of that, at least, at least you're outside, right? You got fresh air, you've got some breeze, you've got, you know, it, it is a little bit of a uh, of a favored venue than being inside a, an arena, for instance, right? Uh, so, I, I think we'll see fans come back. I, I hope I hope things, you know, continue to progress in that way that we keep working towards a cure so that we, you know, or, or a, a, a vaccine rather so that we can start to have normalcy throughout all our segments of life. But, but I think golf in particular has been great as an outlet for people during this time when it was shut down. And it's, I think it's going to be great as a return for fans to be able to watch live sports. I saw that uh, Jordan Spieth's like 40, for one, 40 to 1 to win. Rory McIlroy is 8 to 1 to win. Uh, based on what? Just... Uh, Rory being Rory, I, I don't know. I don't know how they do this stuff. Well, it, yeah, I mean, what can you go off of, right? right. I mean, Rory coming into this week, let, let, if we say coming into this week and we start to go off what he's done this season, well, that was like a season ago, it feels like, right? But, you know, before the break, Rory was by far the hottest player, you know, on the tour. He had played, I think, seven events and had seven top fives. I mean, the guy was lighting it up, and he had a W. So he's the number one player in the world. They, they paused the world rankings. 
which is kind of an interesting thing um, because there were some tours maybe in, in, in various areas that were still going. And, and so they wanted to make sure that nothing disrupted the, the current order of world rankings. And so that was paused. That resumes this week. And so yeah, I think you look at Rory as the number one player in the world, and, and he obviously was playing well before. We all know golf is golf is a bit of a fickle kind of thing, right? I mean, you can be playing great, and you can you can have, but three months is an eternity. I mean, you talk about having a <clears throat> having a window where you're playing well. I mean, a three month break is a lot, and so uh, we'll see. But these guys are the best players in the world. It's what they do. They're itching to get out. I think these guys are going to have some fun. Um, I think I think we're going <clears> to <throat> probably have a little bit of. Uh, light humor with guys that are, you know, they knock in a long putt and they just instinctively wave to nobody. But <laughs> I think I think we can have some fun with those little gestures and sort of idiosyncrasies. Uh, I think there's going to be some fun with the the fans or the caddy uh, uh, player exchange. How they're not supposed to, well, who's touching clubs, not touching clubs. Who's, you know, uh, that, that's going to be a little bit uh, quirky and, and and may provide some some comic relief, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're going to see. I think you see Rory play well. Um, you know, you mentioned Jordan Spieth. That's one of the unique things. Like Jordan is actually a storyline coming into this because he's been playing awful, and he's had three months off to try to get things right without the scrutiny of the media on a regular basis. And typically, when a golfer's struggling and they're trying to get things right, they got to go back out on the, the, the stage in front of everybody and and fail and and look horrible and then answer all the questions, even though they're in the middle of working on things and they might be seeing some progress in certain areas. It's hard to see. When you're shooting, when you're putting up bad numbers, so um, Jordan's had some time off. Uh, he's been able to, you know, like everybody has. So guys that that guys that needed to work on some things, this could benefit. Guys that were red hot, like Rory, I don't think you know you never want to stop playing when you're hot. So uh, th- those are, I guess, some of the sidelines that maybe you'd look at coming in this week. So we've seen in the general world here, as far as golf courses have been remained to be open, or they've been reopened a lot sooner than other places. And one of the they have a lot of precautions now, whether it's one person per card, or you can't touch the flag stick, or the no rakes in the traps. Is there going to be anything different at the PGA level relative to what's been going on? Yeah, so you know that that, that caddy the player relationship. So there there are some things. So the players are, are not supposed to touch the flag sticks or the rakes, which is pretty typical, right? Normally, normally the caddy handles that anyway. Sometimes out of convenience, a player might grab a flag stick for somebody. But they've asked that the, the, the caddies only touch the the flag sticks and the rakes and uh, the golf bag. But the players are supposed to pull the clubs. So typically, a caddy, you know, there, there's a natural muscle memory, you know, with a you know if a guy's coming out of a you know, hitting a sh- an iron shot into a green, an approach shot, you know, the caddy's right there ready to take the, 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 the eight iron or the wedge or whatever he's hitting and at the same time hand him his putter. And, and, and that's not supposed to happen. So in order to try to, to maintain, you know, the social distancing and the less, you know, keep people from, you know, spreading any potential things, um, the, the, the player will pull the club and put the club back in the bag and the caddy's supposed to not touch the golf club. So, and then there's sanitizing stations on every tee box. So, um, once a once a caddy touches a, a rake or a flag stick, apparently there's a volunteer that'll come out and wipe that down. When they get on the on the box, they're they're going to be sanitizing golf bags, you know, um, several times throughout a round. Which, again, I, I'm not sure how much of that is, you know, making sure that you're optically doing everything that you could think of to do versus what's actually helping. I think there, there's probably some discussion around that, but at the same time, they're they're, they're trying to they're, they're trying to keep what they can from. They're, they're, they talk about a bubble, right? They're trying to keep a bubble around the players, 
Uh, they're not allowing their families to come out. They're re- asking them to stay in specified hotels or bring their own RV if they're going to stay in that. And they're testing them every time they get to the golf course with the temperature. They're, you know, they're going through all these things. And then on Saturday, you make the cut. Saturday, they're going to give you another test. And that gives them a couple of days to process that test to make sure that you haven't come down with it in the meantime. And then they're chartering flights be- for all the tour players and the caddies to go ahead and, and uh, charter over to the next tour event. So they're trying to sort of take this bubble of the tour, come into a, a city, not, not spread anything within that city, not have any of their tour players uh, in, infected, and then move on to the next one so that they can keep playing. And, and so that, there are some things that they're doing um, and, and really trying to, to make some efforts to do this safely. And, and I think the last thing we want to see is, a, is an extended delay, an additional delay. So along those lines, uh, as long as there is no delay because there's no massive outbreak or something like that, these guys have been off 13 weeks. One thing that I find a little bit of a drag about golf is, you know, there's a big tournament, there's a major, and a week after the major, everybody's off, right? But now that they've been off so much, I've been hearing some stuff like these fields are going to be loaded Every week, we're not going to have these usual, you know, there'd be a few down weeks scattered where guys take time off and it's not as elite a tour. You think we're really going to see, you know, I think it's 16 of the top 20 at Colonial this week. And no Tiger, obviously, but 16 to 20, that's, that's a pretty good deal right there. Are we going to see that week in and week out? I think you're going to. You know, guy, look, there's 11 weeks left until you get into the playoffs, and there's a lot of guys that don't have any FedEx Cup points. You know, the way the big names schedule their, their or, or handle their schedule they have to grind so hard in the fall when you go from you know the major season to the, the playoffs with a WGC or two sprinkled in there and then right into some sort of a cup. You know, they, they typically take that fall uh, restart time off. And that's when a lot of the guys that have just come off the Corn Ferry Tour or some of the guys that are further down the list, they go out there and they make hay and they get their points built up. And, you know, and it's like they almost give them a head start and then the big namers come you know, roaring back in you know, in January, February, March, and leading into the Masters. And by the time you get to the FedEx Cup playoffs in August, you know, those, those guys that got that little head start, they're barely hanging on for their card. And the big names come roaring back, and they're back in the top 10, 20, you know, 30 type thing. So, um, but, but in this case, it got all shut down before those big names could really get rolling. And so a lot of them, like Brooks kept is like 200-something in the FedEx Cup standing. So technically he wouldn't even make the playoffs if it started today, which is, which is unique. So those, those guys got some ground to make up. Uh, I think just like all the rest of us, they've been sitting around bored. These guys are, uh, are competitors. Uh, DJ saying this morning, the biggest thing he's missed is the competition. I, these guys are that they thrive off of of being go, being able to go out there and and compete against the best in the world and win. And so I think you're going to see him come out and play. I, you start hearing about guys that are tired. Well, then they, you know they haven't kept themselves in shape over you know over this off off time and. And, and that's their deal. But I, I think you're going to see guys giving it a go and trying to play as much, you know, uh, six, seven events in a row, eight of the eight or nine of the final 11 events, you know, just to just to get themselves ready to go for the playoffs. And, and here's another thing to consider, DJ. Most of the contracts outside of the largest names, I'm talking about the superstars like the Tigers, Phils, Rory's, those guys, outside of that, there's bonuses associated with, playing at least a minimum of 20 events in the year with yeah. your sponsors. So if, if you have a sponsorship deal with a particular company, you know, you, you, you get, you don't get the full benefit of that unless you play at least 20 events. So there's a lot of guys playing for other reasons besides just their FedEx cut points and, and the actual game. And there's, there's a business side of it as well. 
So I follow Golf Digest, Brian, on Instagram, and this morning they had a question, who will have the best post-quarantine facial hair this week? (laughs) (laughs) You see where we're at? Back to DJ's question about the (laughs) storyline. Right? (laughs) Not Jordan Spieth. I just saw him interviewed, and he's clean-shaven. Oh, man. Uh, I think most of the guys probably – you know, I, I don't know. There comes a point, though, right? I mean, I, I think on a normal basis, these guys are fairly well uh, kept, if you will. Um, and so they've probably let it, letting it go for, or have let it go for the last, you know, three months. And maybe, maybe they're tired of it and ready to shave it back down again. Who knows? But uh, but tour, tour players are funny guys, right? I mean, they're, you know, it's, it's a pretty. It's a pretty vanilla kind of, you know, atmosphere. And so, you know, guys will do some funny things with facial hair or, you know, obviously traditionally weird pants and different kinds of things. So um, it's uh, – we'll see. I I don't know. That's not one that I get into, but uh, it could be a a no-shave November in June. No. It's these okay. guys play these hot and humid spots, and it just looks miserable. And we all play. I mean, you go to a golf course in Utah, and everybody's in shorts, and we're not dealing with the humidity. The last thing you need is a big old beard. I mean, I'm surprised baseball players do it, but they're not out in the sun for you know four or five hours every day. That's a good point. Now, look, I'm I'm a clean shaven guy, so I I, I kind of think sometimes like I'm going to grow this thing out, and after about a week, I'm like, nope, coming off. So I'm with you, man. I don't like the itch. Well, we appreciate a few minutes and uh, enjoy a weekend full of golf. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, enjoy some live sports here. And it'll, you know, I thought the match turned out pretty good a couple weeks ago, even though it was pouring rain in in Florida. But I I got my juices going and I'm excited to see these guys get back out there. And, uh, you know, I I just I want one player when he makes a a long putt to just go, Woo! Or something, you know, in, in dead silence. It'll be fun. To, that, that's the kind of stuff that'll be fun to watch. I suspect when someone crushes like a drive, they're going to turn to a camera and talk about how they activated their calves. I think that's the one <laughs> that's going to stay with everybody. <laughs> or if some random caddy yells Baba Booey or mashed potatoes. That's actually the best thing about not having, fans, not having to listen to that off the tee shots. But. Thanks, Brian. See you guys. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Listen Saturday mornings right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK talking college football with Ross Dellinger at 9.30. Is Kyle Whittingham the number one coach in the Pac-12? Is he the big dog? We'll run that by Ross. We can talk about that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, Athlon believes he is. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Got a question up on our Facebook page. Athlon Sports ranking Kyle Whittingham as the number one coach in the Conference of Champions. How do you rank them? It's not the perfect 
uh, situation here for the Pac-12, the list of things you'd usually put on as the nut, this is what the top coach in the league has, nobody has all those things, PK. And partly, I feel like it's because the guy who had him left. Chris Peterson was the top coach in the Pac-12. He had two conference titles in three years. He had a trip to the playoffs. He didn't have uh, kind of the unexplainable losing seasons. Uh, you know, you have injuries and you take a hit, but you, should you far as fall as fall as far as Stanford did uh, to four and eight? I think Shaw was the guy, and then Peterson was the guy. And putting this list up now is trying to figure out who is the guy. Can you give it to Cristobal, who's only been in the league two years? But there's no one sitting out there who's won three of the last five championships. There isn't that natural guy. So Kyle, for building something from the ground up in a place where you don't seem to have the built-in advantages that uh, USC has in tradition and Oregon has in money, although when we were discussing this earlier this morning, Utah has one key advantage that helps Winningham, you think, that some people, well, we appreciate it locally, and some people around the league are onto it, but not everybody in college football is onto it. Well, not everybody yeah, yeah, in the Big Ten, maybe, but I think folks around here, when I say around here, I'm speaking regionally in terms of the conference and the Mountain West Conference and those types of things, they understand. And I think more and more people are understanding uh, achieved. But I think they're achieving... All right, well, we're having issues uh, with PK suddenly uh, breaking up there in the middle of nowhere. But I, I think I get his point there is that regionally, as more people come here more often and realize, and there's a lot of passion for the sport here, and that helps in recruiting. And I think a big part of that uh, is the success he's had. And another big part is the fact that seven of the 12 teams in the Pac-12 are definitely right in the shadow of the NFL. And Utah doesn't have to deal with that. And some of the five teams that aren't in the shadow of the NFL are just in a place that doesn't have a lot of people. You know, Corvallis, uh, Pullman, you know, Salt Lake's a metro area in a way those places aren't. And so that combination of being a pretty good-sized metro area and not having the NFL leads to a lot of passion, and that makes recruiting easier. It do. I think it's a pretty close call for number one, and I get why they gave it to Kyle. Uh, we are getting hit, and we can get into this in our next segment here. We're right up against here. But we're getting hit with a lot of how can he be the best coach if he hasn't won one conference title in a decade of trying. Your answer to that argument, PK, coming up next. Stay with us.